All right, let's go. Oh, have we started? Yep. Uh, hi, everyone. So we're really excited. We're finally on iTunes, even though I'm still not sure what the fuck iTunes does for us. But hey, apparently every podcast is on iTunes, so shit. I don't know. The statistics say 70% of um, podcast listeners on iTunes. Well, I don't know, whatever, but we're on iTunes now. So if you have an iPhone, hit the subscribe button. You don't have to have an iPhone. Download, like itunes or something on your computer if, we, if you're like an android why are you even an android user but that's a story for another day well so i don't mind android actually even though i'm an iphone user but whatever the good bad gang crew is apple we don't do android stop it yeah like i said my iphone has fallen so many times i fixed that screen so many that's times i'm almost out of I, I think like the htc or whatever which was the samsung like the screen doesn't break when yeah, you the, the samsung i think that's their selling power but anyway yeah, too much we're not advertising for any phones so what's our business yeah. go to the apple store search for good bad gang and subscribe if you're on soundcloud soundcloud.com good bad gang follow us on social media facebook good bad gang twitter good bad gang literally it's good bad gang everywhere yeah and, and on itunes you know five star shit well you can four star if you don't <laughs> think if you don't think you know we're five star yet but you know and then write comments no um, one star though and then let's give we want your honest feedback so we can get better so write those reviews in five star uh, four star shit you know so all right so so we're here again and shout out to the podcast gods because we almost didn't do this podcast i've introduced ourselves though yeah okay so i'm ld source is in the house say what's up yeah so we are we are um, coming from a new venue so if the acoustics, acoustics are a little bit different Oh, look at you, all fancy acoustics. That's a big word. If you can hear any shoo shoo in the background, we apologize. We're in a new place. That's because we just had to put something up for you guys. Yeah, so listen. Give his Salah speech in his native language. Like, what the hell is that? Well, I don't find it so egregious per se, but I get the I get the problem with it. He is not the president of the Hausa people. He's the president of Nigeria. Yoruba, Igbos, Hausas, Thieves, Ijo, and the list goes on and on. Why is he saying something in Hausa when he knows like other people won't understand it? I don't understand it. Why do I have to wait for a translator to tell me what he's saying? What if the translator is lying? What if he's inciting war? Yeah, I think enough people know enough Hausa that we all get you know to. I know, but I think they so no, understood everything he said. Actually, to be honest, I've not even listened to the speech though. So I'm going to listen to something I can't understand. Now. I hear exactly the point. So he kind of just blocked out like a whole, a whole, not just a whole, actually a lot of tribes. Because people are like, yeah, he's speaking in Hausa, we're not going to listen. So in short, his speech was just for the Hausa people. Like, let's, even if we're going to argue that maybe he feels like Muslims are the only there are Yoruba Muslims there are some Igbo Muslims there are some Benin Muslims and the list goes on and on and if this is meant to be a Salah speech shouldn't everyone benefit from it? Has the information minister said anything about this? I don't know the information minister is always saying something so I, <laughs> nobody I, I, I don't care like I'm I'm not even trying to be funny, but I don't care. The point is, he shouldn't be doing things like this, especially not at this point in time where we're having unrest, especially from like the Igbo people. 
but not all the Igbo people. But you know, Kanu is raising up a storm in Anambra, mm-hmm. trying to get his Biafra back. I don't even know what he knows about Biafra because I mean, he didn't live through it. He's London bred, he lived in London, and all of a sudden he comes to Nigeria and he's like, Yes, give us back Biafra. Why? Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's really funny. It's like, um, I saw a, a tweet that was like, um, Kalu, what's his last name Kanu. again? <laughs> yeah, so Kalu, what Kalu? Don't worry, we'll, get, we'll let you know. Yeah, British anyway, because so, it will come to my head. Yeah, so Kalu, you know, he has a British passport, mm-hmm. uh, and you know he's agitating for Biafra, while the other fellow who was saying all the Ibos should Kanu, Namdi Kanu, yeah. yes, and what all the other guy was saying all the Ibos in the north should leave the north, actually lives in Lagos. So it's kind of the hypocrisy and yeah, the... Yeah, he um, doesn't know what he's fighting for. Like, I feel like he's trying to be the new age um, priest for the Igbo people, you know. I, I, I won't say he doesn't know what he's fighting for, but what I'll say is that a lot of people don't understand history. I don't understand how dangerous rhetoric, um, their rhetoric can be, right? So it's like... Um, you agitating for something, you know. Like even me, I had to go read up on stuff. I don't think kids are even taught um, history anymore in secondary schools. Like how many people really know about the Civil War? How many people know what started the Civil I really War? I wish that even though, well, you know, well, on one hand, I'm not gonna fault people who don't know about the Civil War because they weren't taught in school. But as an individual, how interested are you in knowing like history? Look. Apart from sometimes when I see like ignorant shit on this podcast, I actually love reading. I love knowing like what's been happening. And I've read so many books on the Biafra War. I've spoken to people's parents who experienced the Biafra War. And anyone who lived through this thing would not want it to happen again. So I feel like people who are agitating actually don't understand how bad it was. Kids were dying. Like, glory to God that they're actually still evil people alive. The Nigerian military almost wiped these people out. Uh, well, it was crazy. Like, yeah, but, kids were starving. They blocked the airspace so other countries couldn't even send aid to, like, the Igbo people. So, you know, it was literally a blockout. Like, yeah, so it wasn't, like, I said, why history is important? Because I don't think that as an individual, that's for the older people. But even in school, because, like, everywhere else, you have Memorial Day, right? Mm. What, why they have Memorial Day? So that people remember people that fought during the um, Civil War, mm. you know, they have days, you know, for people that fought during World War One, World War Two. So that, why? So people remember the lessons, people remember the people who died for this stuff. Of like, so, so when so there's... So like no one is trying to remember like, the people who died during the Air Force Wars. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I don't know a day that Max. I don't know a day that Max that. I don't know a day that you know. So people can be sober and reflect and remember exactly how they got there. So you don't get there again. I just say, if you don't know your past, you don't know your future. If you know where, you, if you know where you're coming from, you don't know where you're going to, right? So and I think the craziest thing is, if this happens, history is going to repeat itself because shit goes through the roof. Nandi Kanu has British passports. He will go back to his country, do you get what I'm saying? Right. But the thing is, I, I feel like people are underestimating he's actually gaining traction. I saw a video of people outside his house with Biafran flags, singing, shouting, give us Biafra. I know Kanu is there because he, he actually can see the power that he's having, do you get? And he's there, he's talking to them. In fact, at this point, Kanu has said that there will be no elections in the East come November. 
Right. So, and, I, and I think it's important. Like, I don't know what his motivation is or his end game is, but the problem, what I think people should know is that, okay, we're saying you should know your history so you can know where you're coming from. So, like, what started the, the essentially the civil war in Biafra, right? If you want to boil it down, it was all ethnic, tribal sentiments, right? So, we started with the coup, right? That was perceived. You know, you can, you can, if you read, obviously, anytime you read books, there's always a um, author's bias. There's, yeah. a, there's always auto bias, auto bias to it, right? So, so this, at least from you, you more I was just going to suggest books when you were saying authors. You can read There Was a Country by Chinua Achebe. May his soul rest in peace. If you want something lighter, you can read Chimamanda Adichie's, you know, book. Hers was based on her, her parents' houseboy who lived during the war. Right. Yeah, and I'm and I've said with thing with the books and authors, they always bring their bias into it, right? So a book from my Nibo mom might be different from somebody from you. So anyway, so my, so at least from what I understand. Do you think like there's any actual Yoruba man who would actually write on the Biafran war when they don't even know what went on? A soldier, a Yoruba soldier could have fought in the war and written a book. There are books from not Igbos that on on Biafra. I think even Obasanjo had a little bit of uh, a bit of a bit of the war. Yeah, my my point is that there are different perspectives in books, depending on the author. So when you read, you have to have an open open mind. So anyway, so at least from what I understand, what caused the war, right? So there were always some, I guess, the riots and some killings in the north, right? Of against non against Igbo people and non um, northerners, right? Then what now happened next? Was now there was now a coup. The coup, the general sentiment of the coup was that oh, politicians are corrupt. The soldiers can't stand by. Awolowo was in, Awolowo was in, Awolowo was in prison. So, but the general pers- the general perspective on the coup was that it was mostly Igbos, right? And they killed the the northern premier, they killed the western premier, and Azikiwe, who was out of the country, spared the eastern premier, was spared. So, what true or false, depending on what you read, it was viewed. Sideline, there were other tribes in this um, coup. You know, there were other tribes who carried out the coup, but clearly no one was concentrating on them. That's why I said true or false. The perception was it was mostly Igbo led, so it was seen as an Igbo coup, right? So that led to a counter coup where Gowan now came into uh, came into um, place. Even though you know Aronsin wrestled over, but Aronsin was also an Igbo man. Then Gowan came into came into um, came into power with the other coup. Because most of the victims of the first coup were seen as Igbo, right? So now what Gowan did also, because at that point in time, most of the oil was in the east, the way the Nigerian was cut off, right? So Gowan now carved a new Nigeria and made like the Midwestern, which by him doing that, a lot of the oil resources were taken away from the east, right? And they now had the pogrom in the north, mm-hmm. leading Buhari to say, you know, sorry, leading um, Ojuku to say, mm-hmm. we have to defend ourselves, they're killing us, declaring Biafra, mm-hmm. right? So, my own point, what, is, what did all this gather? It was still ethnic sentiments, where they have the Igbo on one side, the Hausa on one side, and everybody feeling that they're attacked, and because of the different sentiments, the riots, even going back to colonial times, when, mm-hmm. when the... Um, the, even almost the west and the east, everybody felt that the colonial masters mm-hmm. were putting the, the northerners in position to rule the, the rule the Nigeria, while Azikiwe thought him as the evil man should rule 
the Nigeria and mm. the West had the alliance with it. So, so many things were going on. But really, when you boil it down to it, it was um, ethnic tribal sentiments. Mm. And it was just so simple like that to ignite a three-year uh, three war. And the problem with that is that, and why most of the country does remember this, the real victims or the people that really suffered from the wars were the Igbo. I think in most parts of the countries, up north, in the west, they really didn't feel the effect of the war. Most of the effects of the war was, was, in, was, in, the, uh, was in the east. Okay, so I'm just going to come from another angle, because all that is just politics, politics, politics. All right. But no one actually credits Ojuku in trying to actually make sure that this war did not happen. When there were coups and counter coups, Ojuku actually kept trying to keep everything together. He kept saying, you know what, you know, it doesn't have to be this bad, yada, yada, yada. And he actually even, he would tell the Igbo people, my colleagues in the North and the West have given me their assurance that you guys will be safe. Because by the time Iransi became, um, got into power, he was made the leader of the Eastern region, right? right. And even when um, Iransi and Faji were abducted and killed in Badon, Ojuku was actually like, they should preserve military hierarchy in the sense that the next person who is high up right. should be the leader. Right. And the next person was actually a Yoruba person. Okay. I'm saying Ojuku could have gone all gung ho jiget, but Ojuku actually kept trying. But here's the thing from people's perspective, right? This is all people remember being at the airports and Hausa soldiers coming in and asking them to speak Hausa. They couldn't speak it. They were gone down. So I said, let's take the politics out of it. There were little people in different places who were getting hurt. And even though these stories, even though Ojuko was trying to placate everyone, you can't let these things go. There were stories about women having to look for their house or friends or, you know, the men, so that they could pretend like they were their spouses, that kind of thing, wrap up, vouch for them, just so they could be safe. So the major thing was to either get to the West which is like Lagos and all that, or move back to the east. So Ojuku says saying this, and then he's there asking all Igbo people to start returning home, you know, because he's like, you'll probably be safer in the east as opposed to all these spaces. So I feel like no one gives him enough credit. He might not have done it for a long time, but he did try to make sure that everything still kind of stayed low-key. Because you can't... I mean, you can't say coups are bad and the military is crazy do you get killed for saying the military is crazy nope <laughs> and the military is crazy but you know when you take all that shit out and it starts affecting civilians he felt like you know what, i have to stand up for my people because he was the leader of the eastern region you know he was kind of in charge of all those people and he decided fine you might as well break away now another thing is can you really i'm not for them breaking away but the evil people also feel like they've been marginalized when last did we have an evil president when else did we have an Igbo person in some sort of actual power? It feels like the presidency is usually rotated between the north. You know, it's an unspoken rule how the presidency is rotated between the north, the southwest, north, southwest. In fact, Jonathan becoming president was a huge deal because right. he was a minority. And, 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 and that is really the point of it is that then as everything is still just bubbling on the surface. Right, so there's still even this whether the whole construct of Nigeria really works, 
But the point is that, as you have said, a lot of things are still bombing on the surface. It doesn't it won't take a, it won't it won't take a lot to light the fuse here, right? Exactly. Which is, which is why you have to be really careful with your rhetoric and you know at the events that that that, that go on, mm -hmm. right? So it's not anything can spark it. So you can't just be talking recklessly, whatever. If there's a way to have a civil debate or whatever, and we always have this talk about confab and all this stuff to do to see if Nigeria is working for 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 every everybody. Now this would be a frustrating even during the Biafra war, the minorities that were also under Biafra, the Jaws, the Bibio. Those people complained also. Those yeah, people those people were also brutalized even by the Igbo people, the largely Igbo people. So even when you have the Biafra Biafra as least as described during the Ojuku or the, during the um, civil war. You had minorities in there that felt marginalized by the major, by the by the main Igbo people that are made up Biafra. So even then, after you finish your whole Biafra, you now have the infighting within the Idris and those kind of people. I'm not even trying to be funny, but there's no guarantee that even if they get Biafra, they will be one. Because then you will not remember how many states make up Eastern Nigeria. That's my and point. And they will probably start fighting about how this person from this Eastern state should be the ruler. But generally, I feel like in Nigeria, it shouldn't. Our leadership shouldn't be based on what states or what tribe you're from the best person for the job should be the person in charge but it's unfortunate that it doesn't work that way yeah but that's just like you just you just made the point about there being no Igbo presidents and stuff so obviously it to rule nigeria you cannot escape tribalism in a way i don't know how it's ever going to be done it's it, nigeria is an artificial construct right mm -hmm. over 300 tribes put together mm -hmm. with the majority being the Hausa Igbos and um Yorubas. Even my, the other day, my dad was like, oh, essentially, the houses and Yorubas have divided um, Nigeria exactly. with, with, within themselves. So, you know, the, the whole construct, but I, I don't know if there's a better way to put it together. I don't, I don't see us splitting, splitting at this point in time. You know what's funny? This was why I remember, like, back in the day, after I finished reading all these books, I was like, you know what? This is why I'm pro intertribal marriages, right? Because if everyone, like I remember there was a time where Yoruba people would only marry Yoruba people, Igbo people would only marry Igbo people, and so on and so forth. But I mean, if there are a lot more intertribal marriages, if war is going to break down, I would like to believe that you remember that your daughter is in somebody else's home who is not from the same tribe. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or if you remember that your son, so for instance, you're an Igbo soldier mm -hmm. and you gave her your daughter to a house man. I'd like to believe that while people are agitating for this war, you remember mm -hmm. that your daughter could possibly be but a victim. You you are aware of the Rwanda crisis, right? Yeah, the Hutu. of course. Yeah. yeah, but they were they were um, you know they were Rwandans from different tribes killing yeah, kill, killing killing yeah they were killing the who who was the minority? Do you remember? I can't remember. Yeah. I remember the Tutsis because yeah they were killing they were killing they were ki people were killing family members that were of the opposite um opposite, were opposite tribe. People were saving people from the opposite tribe because their family members were married into the you, yeah, but you remember my, like the main guy who saved all those people. That's the movie, right? Yeah, Hutu Rwanda. Tutsi, yeah, it was based on yeah, the guy. Yeah, it was Tutsi and his wife were Hutu. Yeah, Hutu my, my point is that it, my point is that he did not stop some people from even killing their opposite neighbors, right? Or they don't stop them for killing their wives that were of the yeah. other tribe. So I'm, what I'm saying is that that might not be. No, I'm just saying it's why I also savior. advocate it because once upon so, a time. Marrying into tribal was a taboo in this country, so it's nice to actually see that more people are getting into it. But I just really wish that Kanye would kind of take a sit back and think about what he's saying because he's been going to different leaders in different places, you know, to kind of. Didn't he just get out having, of jail? 
yeah, he was in jail. <laughs> the Nigerian government arrested him. I think he was in jail for like two years before they broke him out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that kind of also made things worse because then evil people saw, yeah, you know what, this guy went to jail because he's trying to advocate for us. And by the way, when I say the evil people, I don't mean like every single person. I'm just using it to, yeah. you know. Yeah, because the problem is that when he becomes a figure like this, right, and he's evil, mm-hmm. and people feel some kind of persecutions towards him, you, in a in in a very strange way, you now build actually a following yeah, for him. Happens. So it's a very tricky something that the government has to play properly, right? Because you do too much, all of a sudden you're building sentiment for somebody that maybe didn't have so much sentiment that people yeah, are just. He just got released in April. Yeah, that, yeah, that because sometimes, as you said, I'd say the empty barrel makes the most noise. So sometimes, yeah, it's just a couple of people making a couple of noise, do a couple of moves mm-hmm. before you know it is a groundswell of support. Which is my own point. I'm like Nigeria is everything just bubbling at the surface. Any uh, any little stuff, you know, I think you go off. Because I remember in the books that I read, there was Radio Biafra, and Radio Biafra was usually used to um, send out messages. You know, to Igbo people, so you would have to like dec- um, the Nigerian government will usually try and decode, to kind of hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes it was used as a way to send like intel mm-hmm. or things like that. Now, Kano has started Radio Biafra. I think that's where well, it's based in London, I think and that's, that's where he started. I think that's where the whole pushing propaganda and everything. And I tried going on the website, the radio's website, and everything there is, you know, just. I don't know whether to also use the word propaganda because I'm not trying to, you know, step on anyone's toes. On one hand, I can kind of understand like Igbo people feeling marginalized. But I don't think it should get to the point where they're literally asking for a secession. I don't know how it's pronounced. I, you know, these things will not end well if it gets to it. A full-blown war will break out, which is why I feel like Buhari sh- President Buhari should have been careful. Yeah, as that, I think that brings your point to since we're. Since number one, if Kalu knows what happened the last time they were trying to they were trying to secession was trying to happen in Biafra, right? Mm-hmm. What the casualties were, you know. Some people try to label it a genocide, but it, it could have bloody well been one. No, but it's diff- it, it technically you can't label it a genocide when it was war, right? You don't yeah, you it's don't not uh, it could have bloody well been one. I'm not saying it is, it could have Yeah, been so one. some people argue it is uh, it's not so but technically but the technicality of genocide and the genocide does not mm. does not end change the fact that millions of people lost their lives. Some estimates say six to ten thousand people died daily from starvation and yep. and stiff and things of uh, things on Some on of those my um, fronts. Parents can't remember what their siblings look like because when war ends, some people die, yes, but some people are missing, right? Never to be found again. So, like a friend of mine said, her mom said she remembers hiding when the bombs were going off. Mm. And the only pictures she had of her family were in that house, and the house got destroyed. She doesn't know, she doesn't know what her brothers look like. She doesn't know what her parents look like. Mm-hmm. This is what war does. This same friend, because both her parents are evil, the dad doesn't trust any other tribe. Mm-hmm. And can you blame him? He's like, you know, how's that people? Well, they kind of killed half of my family. And he's like, Yoruba people, they were just too complacent. They didn't do anything. They weren't for us and they weren't against us. They were just happy, partying and not being affected. I remember my dad said the same thing. My dad said, you know, for a lot of them who lived, who didn't live in any of these areas, they didn't realize the war was going on except they opened the newspapers and, you know, saw the headlines. Nigeria is gaining ground on Biafra 
or um, Nigeria has stopped foreign aid from coming in. You know, sometimes they would actually go to like all these international um, conferences. So our head of state would go and Ojukutu would go. Obviously, he would be representing Biafra and there would be chaos. Although there were some countries who recognized Biafra as a sovereign state, there are about 10 countries. Um, I think. Was it up to 10? There were like maybe four or something. No, I think there were like 10. Okay, we'll agree to disagree on that. But I remember there was a country that said they weren't going to officially recognize them, but they would send them aid. Right. In terms of like food and all, right. all that. All so right. I guess for them it was, we don't want to step on the toes of Nigeria all or right. behind closed doors. We want to help you guys out. Right. So, you know, in the night, the planes would come, drop food. But you know what? Kudos to Igbo people. They were resilient. These people built weapons. My There's, there's this guy in my church. Mm-hmm. He's an old man now, obviously. But he was part of the people who helped to build weapons. Uh, Biafra, because uh, he was he was an engineer. Yeah, I don't think he's an engineer anymore. So you know how you get drafted. Well, he's an engineer. Was an engineer. Yeah, I guess he's so retired. He, let's say. Yeah, yeah. So he got drafted, and he was like on the special weapons team. All right. So that's something. If you speak to people who lived through this, right. you wouldn't want it. Yeah, to bec- beca- because it was it was a war they couldn't win. Right. Mm. You have the power of the whole. Nigeria against Biafra, mm. you um, they controlled you know the ports, mm-hmm. right? So they controlled weapons coming in and out. They yeah, controlled exactly. food. They controlled food coming in and out. You know, so you know, so they were under arms. You know, on the you know, not enough supply of food, arms, mm-hmm. whatever. So it was a losing proposition. So what happened? People, you know, people died. You know, so so Kanu now as he put all those things into into view and and not see him as you said, what happens? He he he, he didn't get really hot. Yeah, exactly. He gets on the plane and goes to London and who 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 is left to um who is left to fight? Him, is he exile when you're allowed to go? Get, isn't yeah. that what happened to Ajuku? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the, I guess the famous the famous story, right? He dressed as a woman, right, and uh, yeah. got out of the country. I mean, Ojuku is as formidable as they come when it comes to soldiers. So if he had to step down yeah, he lost the war so yeah, yeah there was no choice so and it's funny because all the countries that actually recognized Biafra were african countries yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was like Gabon. yeah something you have to remember something you have to remember the the war was what 67 to 70 yeah it was 30 months yeah so, so about three years yeah so what you have to remember during that time too was the height of um colonialism in terms of the most of those european countries yeah, so jockeying jockeying for position in in Africa, right? Mm. So, you know, Britain once has interest in Nigeria, France has interest in those French speaking countries, Portugal has interest. So it was a different time in the sense of, you know, everybody was looking over their own mm. interests, right? British interest in was in Nigeria, you know. At, I think at that point in time about two fifths of the oil that was discovered then, you know, was going to was going to England. So they had a vested interest in kind of, you know, siding with who they thought would be the victors of the victors of the war. You know what was funny? You had all the colonial masters looking like, well, 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 seven years after we gave them independence, look how they're fucking up their lives. So it also became a, should we have given them their independence? You know? Yeah. It, still, it, yeah. it became a, yeah, so what was that about? Why did we leave? If they can't even control themselves, you know, look how they're fighting each other. Mm. Even though, 
behind closed doors these people were probably also behind it because i think i once told you about how they already knew who they wanted to rule nigeria when they were leaving so they kind of also have been instigating this whole civil yeah like i said it was based crime. on was, like i don't know what their head were, whatever they were thinking oh blah 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 they, they can't control themselves animals or whatever it is yeah i think i think that we can call that racism or whatever it is um, now, obviously, I said you can trace back. I said Nigeria. I said three hundred tribes marched into this um, geographical region. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. We was artificially drawn boundaries, right? And those guys came in with their own, you know, thoughts and beliefs on what they felt Nigeria was or whatever it is. I think you had one that sent me something about them, Lokoja, and yeah, what and what and what and wrote about Lokoja. You know, what mm-hmm. his own thoughts about the people and everything where. Yeah, forced into becoming Nigerian yeah, so my, before being honest. So my point is that, you know, they in their own mind felt for whatever reason it was, right? Because remember in the um in the north they had direct rule, right? Yeah. While they had indirect the emirs, all of them. Oh, I don't know, still had like the royal leaders in other Yeah, but it was more of it Yeah, it was different it was more of it because they could send their message to the Emir, Emir to the people, mm-hmm. while in other places where they were more learned, it was a more of a more democratic system. For, so for some reason, I, I think if you read some books about it, they felt, and other tribes have felt that the Northerners were put in position to rule the, 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 the rule they created Nigeria. So that is where the ethnic sentiment started coming from, where Probably, once the other tribes are feeling the North were in charge. schools in the North. Back then, everyone wanted to go to school in the north. My dad schooled in the north. My granddad schooled in the north. My mom schooled in the north. And I think I was telling you about how my auntie's husband was talking about how he went to school in the north and he couldn't get in for the course he wanted to read because he was in northern. Okay. He wanted to read medicine. And the lecturer literally entered and said, if you're not from this state, this state, this state, or this state, forget it. You're not going to study medicine. And then he said, if you're angry, write to the president. And the president at that point in time was Northern. Okay, so what was the and point? And the president replied and said, no, I'm saying so civil undertones have always been there. Yeah. And the president replied and said, there are universities in the Southwest, there are universities in the Southeast. If you want to read medicine, go then there. go there. Right. If you're going to stay here, then take what you have. But because at that point in time, those universities were seen as really good. Right. Yeah. So, no, I mean, like your overall point about saying there's education also in the north. No, I'm saying, you, you know, when you said learned, mm. I'm saying, so there was once a point in time when it looked as if they were not the learned people, as in to add to the colonial masters already knew who they wanted to rule, like which region. Mm-hmm. So basically they kind of made that place all nice. A lot of schools, a lot like okay. from primary school, secondary school, universities, like there were a lot of good schools in the north. Do you get what I'm right, saying? But so also making it an alluring well, because at the time of independence right what was seen was you know the westerners the western part of nigeria with the um, elites in terms of education right mm. the east somewhat while the north just the elitists were the elites right because they had the rules where they were going to the emirs which yeah, the down to the people, people were seen as the most as the elitists it doesn't mean they weren't going to school in the north and coming back to the southwest to build themselves do you get what i'm saying like, I go to school in England. I'm not talking about, geog- I'm, I'm not talking about geographical, but where the universities are. Oh, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm okay. talking okay. about the people. No, because we're talking about the tribunals, about the people. Yeah, yeah, okay, right? yeah, it doesn't matter if all the Westerners were going to study in the North mm-hmm. and come back. Yeah, Is that yeah, okay, how fine. educated were the Northern people, yeah, so Western people, Eastern people? Yeah. And all that, you know. So, but like I said, um, 
kind of needs to get his shit together. But speaking of remembrance, I just remembered something. There's actually a Civil War museum. Okay. In Anambra. All right. So and they do a proper tour for you. You even get to see Ojuku's bunker, All right. where he used to hide and hold meetings and strategize. All right. So obviously the people in the east still remember. Mm-hmm. Now it's a shame that that museum is not exactly well kept. Yeah, so, <laughs> it's so, so, so it's how well do they remember? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you can see the planes and some of like the bombs and the artillery yeah. that were used. So obviously, someone out there thinks that that museum should. I I, I don't think it should be someone out there. It should be the country. Yeah. That should actually put in effort into maintaining yeah. it. Yeah. So to, so to bring all this to bring this mm-hmm. all together. So to bring this thing all together is, we need people need to educate themselves on the history. Right, people need to know what happened, what caused the war, why the war started, and the amount of people that suffered about this war. I think another big complaint with the Igbo people, right? They feel like you know, in like in South Africa after apartheid, right? They had mm. the um, reconciliation council, the meetings where mm-hmm. the white person came and said, "I did all of this." The the, the South African Native Americans said, "Okay, we forgive you." Like nobody has offered them a formal apology. Apo- well, I don't know if apology, whatever it is, because it was war. But in terms of acknowledgement, this happened. This, you know, this happened. Biafra. This was atrocities that happened during that time. Blah blah blah, and you know, put a bow on it, right? Which is which will also points to the history. People talk about it. Like I said, to like that be because their leader and command ran away. In quote, in quote, could that be? Could that be what? Could it be because he wasn't around? Like he left, he was exiled. No, no, that's not do with it. Some he left, but his second in command is the one that surrendered to the Nigerian army. This stuff is not about. This is not about even the Igbos, whatever. It's, how to say the the sports go to the victor of war, right? So I, I mean, I think it was called no no victor no vanquish. That was the motto. Of who? Of the Biafra war. That was how they surrendered. They surrendered under that motto. No victor, no vanquished. Okay. But yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it might have just been the... I understand where you're coming from, right. but maybe just didn't come up with them under the parameters at which it happened. Yeah, but, yeah but as I said, based on the underneath bubbling of, uh, that has been scratched, obviously the war was input to bed. If I want to just... I'll, go, I'll say this really quick. If you want to put this akin to the World War One, World War Two. Right, a lot of people felt why World War Two happened was because after World War One, the rest of the the first world, right, put a little stringent economic policies or whatever on the Germany that lost the war, and that policies and the strictness of the economic policies put Germany in a hard time, and that led to the rise of Hitler, which eventually led to World War Two. So my point is, you know, this could be leading to the rise of no. My point, is, yeah, So when World War Two happened, after the end of it, they learned from their mistakes. Mm. They didn't go ahead and try to punish the German people, right, for the crimes. They tried to punish just the Nazis or the leaders, so to speak, so that they don't get in a situation again where um, the the conditions are set for another Hitler mm. to to rise. So anyway. I think, just to wrap it up, I'll say, you know, let's be careful, let's know our history, and let's, you know, um, be aware 
of the sentiments and we and love everybody in nigeria every yeah. tribe we're not pro you know any sex wait where are you where are we going to like honestly yeah can like we just be one and live nigeria, in love nigeria to say. and happiness as the nigeria go survive yeah and i, I, think, that, I feel like survive. that's what makes us our amazing. country go survival nigeria yeah, survive. we have like so many cultures sometimes i see what you need is like aliens right if aliens come then <laughs> we have to be one people right no for real like i see pictures of cultures and i'm just like in love so if you're new to this podcast we have a nigerian celebrity psychologist his name is joe and people send him emails all the time we don't know who they are we don't know their background story Oh, we love their stories and every week we try to pick one so today we have an email from miss confused state of mind hi joro thanks for the platform you put up in helping people with relationship matters god bless you now to my story as i was motivated by the poster that said her fiance is stingy and her mother has gone to pray somewhere i have a boyfriend and i think i rushed into the relationship too early i feel his salary is meager as we plan getting married soon He's got some business idea though, but capital is the issue at the moment. Now my problem is I don't want to end up with a broke man. I know how some ladies get a monthly allowance from their boyfriends. I need to meet these ladies, but I don't get any. Even when I ask, which I hardly do, because I think he should be able to give me without asking, he tells me always he doesn't have since he's a salary earner and the money must have been spent before the month ends. And I think I deserve more. Not even with the fact that I've got comfortable dudes on my neck at the moment. You go, girl. And I think I really like one of them, truly. I don't want to stay love since I'm not sure about it. Our parents have gone to pray for us, though. African parents with this nonsense belief. And they said our stars match. But I don't think I can keep up with what he earns at the moment, as a better job is not even coming up yet. What do your followers think? I would be reading comments. Please post. Thank you. And the first thing that came to my head when I read this was Kanye West's song. Now, I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke niggas. Yeah, she's, she's already dating him, him already, so she's already neglected that stuff. So now she's not messing yeah, with Yeah, but she's, broke not, she's trying not to mess with him anymore because he broke. Or yeah. the salary is too small for her. One of them. See, number one, they said this is all her eyes getting big. Dude, what so, is this? So, uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. So what caught my line? What, what caught, caught your line? What caught my ear, I should say, right, is that you said there are other comfortable dudes mm-hmm. out there. So somebody is flashing out the cash. That's all this is about. Before, she was struggling with this guy, love everything. Maybe they were jumping bus together, whatever. Then there's this guy that has come with Range Rover. She has entered it once or twice. The guy has promised her trips to Dubai and shopping and shopping and shopping and shopping trips. So her head has been turned. All of a sudden, the money that the man was managing, they were managing together. She has changed her mind now. She has seen a Range Rover. She has seen oh. she has seen she has seen Lagos Big Boy now. She wants to. She's, I hope she has, the people that are comfortable. I hope she has followed them to where they live. It's not this one. They are driving Range Rover, but they are staying in um in somebody's BQ. Just so it's just so you're aware, you could stay in somebody's house free of charge, and they would know too. 
you know, forever. Let's say every time you have your girl coming in, you go and borrow your friend's house. So that's my point now. Yeah. That's the point I'm making. So this one, you think? No, I'm saying so. Even if she's followed them to where they live, it might not be their real house. Uh, so that's my. Uh, I'm still making my point for me. So my point is that you know, be careful what you um, be careful what you careful what you choose, what you want, right? Because not every um. Let me help you. Not all that glitters is gold. Yeah. Now, right ladies, is. can we be very serious about life here? They want to get married. Marriage is no joke. You guys know, like, when there are issues in marriage, it's usually like a money problem, right? Yeah, actually, number one. Like, let's num- be honest. Number let's be real. Number one reason for divorce is actually um, finances. Yes. Like, the woman feels like things are not. And you know what's funny? When money is hard, yeah, tensions are rising. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy is vexed, the woman is vexed, everything vexed, everybody is angry. So let's be very honest with ourselves. I guess forget that she might be, her eyes have opened. But money is a very serious thing in a relationship. So now this guy wants to get married. He's talking about doing business. When already his salary is uh, very small, which money does he not want to put inside this business? But she has decided already now. Funds is the problem. Exactly. So on one hand, I can't mean this girl is thinking about her future and her life. I might just be stalking Gary for the rest of what, my what, what, life. What, what happened to her being, being, um, being the Michelle to his Obama? Uh, right. Why, why can't they grow together? Why, I feel like why, if she thought build, he had, what, can, what can they build together? You know, I feel like if she thought he had prospects, he would have written. He has prospects, though. He seemed. He seems very. Do you understand? To be, to be honest, anything. to be honest, it's hard to qualify this stuff. If I don't, if unless I knew exactly how much you earned, right? Exactly. It'd, be, it'd be easier to quantify to see what she feels is not enough, right? And you know what? This email is not the first time I'm hearing about boyfriends giving their girlfriends an allowance. There are actually some people who give them. So if she's also running with like friends who their boyfriends are giving it's, them money, you know, yeah, yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. She's yeah, probably thinking, yeah, no, yeah, now wait, yeah, now let me yeah, finish. Yeah, she's probably yeah, also but, thinking, ah, look at my friend, this, this, this. So on one hand, no, I'm talking about quantifying the salary. Go ahead. Do you get? So obviously all these guys are giving their girlfriend money. Maybe they have enough change to spare. But if her boyfriend is actually earning enough, to take care of them. I'm talking about marriage where it's not like entering marriage. Do you uh-huh. get what I'm saying? Because sometimes uh-huh. you, you have to think into the future. So uh-huh. if you guys are already planning on marrying, you should be forgetting about all these frivolous things. So like if you're looking at his salary, it should be a will he be able to put food on the table? What about rent? Especially if we're staying like in a rented yeah. apartment. So I, I said that's why I say I'm, I'm making my point again. Her eye has been turned, right? Because she now has friends that are actually collecting pocket money. So she's like ah, Opening. Uh, I don't know why I'm trying to make it look like a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with I it. I think it's a bad thing, but opening the wrong way. I'm going with the information I have here. I feel she was happy in it before. Either she, she met one or two new friends that are now flashing, um, are now flashing Prada, you know Prada, like Prada, Prada bag and Gucci bag and getting allowance. She's like, why am I not like them? I can't go with you on you think she was happy before. Here's why her email doesn't say anything like that. And don't give the vibe. I mean, the first thing she says is, I think I rushed into my relationship. That's what I'm saying now. She's not disgruntled too, now. Too early. No, she said, I think I rushed into the relationship too early. I feel his salary is meager. Maybe she didn't actually know about his salary to, to this Nah, day. that's what I'm telling you now. It's, it's like it's like some people, um, you, you, you've been drinking regular vodka the day you taste the rock. You say, I'm sorry, I can't drink regular vodka again. I'm, I'm so also drink. I'm just saying, rock. Go for it. But on a love is not enough if we're being honest like love, I, love will never be like enough. I said to have an objective 
objective um, we need to know how much he's and how much he earning. but me reading between the lines and deciphering it's not like yeah another thing what does she bring to the table yeah, so what's what is him them them what does she bring to the table i think something weird that she said was i think i deserve more what, what are you bringing? I, I told you something to boss ladies. What are you bringing to the table? What, what are you? What are you contributing to this um, supposed income, right? Like we know the way Nigeria is today mm. is uh, you need two incomes to actually you know at least go as far as you mm. want to go. So what's she? What's she bringing to the table? What's her own salary? Is I she matching? She, she matching him? On the real though, first of all, she should even be glad that at least the guy has a job, right? She's talking about them trying to get married. What if the guy didn't have a job? You get what I'm saying? Like I said, like, this this is hard to talk about without knowing some specifics, right? Because how long uh, have they been together? You know that kind of thing. No, that long doesn't why matter choose, to me. Why did she choose him? When these comfortable guys there before she chose him? Obviously not. <laughs> like there's already like things that I need to know. But if I'm being very serious, love is usually not enough, and a big problem in marriage is finance. Like I said, finance, finance, finance. like I said, in surveys, they said number one reason for divorce is money. So yeah. you can't, you can't, you can't rule it out. But then again, I said, without knowing how whatever it is, there's also something like contentment. You can't have everything, of right? So it's a, it's a level where you have to be content. And if you can't find that contentment, you always be looking for more, for more, for more, from your husband just having a Corolla. You'll be next thing. Why is why are you not driving a Range Rover like um, GD? Next thing is that why you don't you have a plane like Yemi? So I know I'm using your Yoruba guys here, yeah, but, <laughs> but you know, you know what? Let's forget it. We should talk about Yoruba demons and so pretty Yeah, yeah. So so my point is that also that's why I'm saying there's a lot around this. If you want to talk about it objectively, where you have to think about you know you have to be content a simple of time and believe you grow, believe change yeah, things you progress from you one know, step to the one step to the other. Women ride with their men. But you know, one thing you always hear them saying is even though he had nothing at that point in time, he had prospects, he had a vision. Do you get she doesn't even feel like she doesn't sorry, not that she doesn't feel like she doesn't sound like she even believes that her guy has like some prospects. Like you know how you say a guy and you're like, yeah he might not have anything now, but he has a great future. Even this business, that she, she doesn't sound like she's very, like she thinks the business is going to go anywhere. It's like, yeah, let me just support him because he says he has a business. You said they didn't have funds, that's the problem. There's so much I said. We no, can, see, we can also, only, if we, it was me, I'd have been like, and I was sending this email, if I thought the business idea was great, I'd be like, he has a great business idea, but no funds. So she just made everything very simple. Nah. If, if I want to give the girl any advice, right, if I'm commenting, she's reading the comments, I'll say, you know what, if you're not happy in it, it doesn't work for you. You know, nobody can force you to do what you don't want. Get out of it and go go with the comfortable one or whatever it is. It's not, there's nothing there's not wrong with it because from the tone of the email, she's checked out already anyway. Yeah, that's so she, I, she's been roped in by the parents or whatever. So if you're not happy with it, although as we all know, the grass is not always greener on the other side, right? In the same genre. You read about the people where you know the, hus- yeah, the, hus- the husband has a jeep and yeah. he's and the guy is beating on them whatever it is but then again that's no reason to say okay go marry a poor man because yeah if you, know, you, know, you know what i'm saying i don't know i don't want to make some yeah. false equivalency here so if you're not happy in it whatever the reason is go find what will make you happy but always remember that this you have to find contentment in everything you know there's always like if you can never be truly be happy with whatever you have unless you can find a level of contentment speaking of happiness we hope you're actually happy with our podcast we're gonna sign off now but we would love to read your comments so please comment when you listen let us know 
what you thought about this episode. If there's anything else you'd like us to speak on, write it in the comment section. And we're out. Yeah, thank you. Good, bad, gang, everything. iTunes. Good vibe. Good vibe. This one for real is girl. If your girl a look good and she never boring, then you know that a really good vibe. And she cook your good food and she always caring, then you know that a really good vibe. If your man did a love you real good in a bed, then you know that a really good vibe. And him a give you full satisfaction, my girl, then you know.